Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open it now to Psalm 49. This is one of my favorite psalms. It is also a very unusual psalm. Matthew Henry says about this psalm, Psalm 49, and then also Psalm 50. He says, this psalm is a sermon, and so is the next. In most of the psalms, we have the penman praying or praising. In these, we have him preaching. And it is our duty in singing psalms to teach and admonish ourselves and one another. Closed quote. We forget sometimes that the Psalms are understood to belong to the wisdom corpus of the Bible. We tend to think of the Psalms primarily as prayers and as songs of praise and sometimes as sung prophecies, and they are all those things, but they are also occasionally sung sermons, and that is the case here. This is a sermon about money, or more specifically, about the folly of wealth without wisdom. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning with the ascription and carrying on to verse 1. To the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. In the first four lines there, the psalmist tells us what kind of song this is going to be and who it is that should be eager to hear it. He tells us that this is a wisdom song. He uses four different words for wisdom, all of which mean essentially the same thing. This is wisdom. This is a song of understanding. This is a sung proverb, and this is a riddle. The Hebrew word for riddle just means a dark saying or a hard question. The psalmist is saying that he's going to explore a hard question through song and music. The ESV has him saying that he's going to solve the riddle, but the word used actually just means to open or explore. So in this song, the psalmist intends to reflect at length upon a hard topic, and he'll tell us more about that topic in just a minute. He also tells us that the song is for everyone. This isn't just a song for the Jews or for the covenant community. This is for everyone in the world. Everyone in the world thinks about this issue. Everyone wrestles with it. It is the job of God's people to shine light on those sorts of issues. We're the city on the hill. We're the light of the world. So our job is to bring some light into dark and heavy questions and conundrums, and that's exactly what this psalm is trying to do. Verse 5 takes us into the heart of the matter. He sets up this entire inquiry by asking a question. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? So the scenario here seems to be that the psalmist is a poor man, or at least not a rich man, and he is surrounded by rich, powerful, and deceitful people who are a threat to him, and he is understandably afraid. But then in a moment of inspiration, he asks himself a very important question. Why am I afraid of these people? Are they any better off than me? 
Is being wealthy really that much of a game changer? Does it win the battle? Does it settle the score? Is it really as important as we all seem to think that it is? That's the question. That's the issue that he begins to explore. Verse 7. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. Here, the psalmist is suggesting that money is not as important as perhaps we think it is. After all, you can't use money to solve the most important problems in this life. You can't use it to buy your way or your child's way or your wife's way or anyone's way out of disease. And neither can you use it to hold off the inevitability of death. Verse 10. For he sees that even the wise die. The fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. Though they called lands by their own names, man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. The first word in verse 10 in Hebrew is the word ki. It can be translated a lot of different ways, including four, as the ESV does here. That could be right. But some scholars think it would be better here to render it as truly, as in truly he sees that even the wise die. The psalmist seems to be doubling down. There is no way to avoid this conclusion, folks. He says, everybody dies. The rich, the poor, the fools, yea, even the wise. Everybody dies. And money cannot rescue you from that certain fate. You're going to die. And you are going to leave your wealth to someone else. So why does it matter so much to you? And why does it matter so much to me? The psalmist realizes here that he has been intimidated foolishly by people with money. If their money can't help them, then why should it frighten me? Why should the poor cower before the rich? Are we not all equally powerless before the things that matter most? If money isn't an advantage for you, then it needn't be an object of fear for me. Verse 13, this is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. It is foolish to put any trust in money, he says. Money makes people feel safe, but it doesn't make them actually safe. We think of the parable of the bigger barns in Luke 12, 17 to 21. Jesus tells the story of a man who started feeling pretty good about himself because of his abundant harvest. What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one 
who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Closed quote. Luke 12, 17 to 21. That's exactly what's being said here. Fool, do you think your bigger barn will protect you from the realities of life and death under the gaze of God? This very night, your soul may be required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That is thought for thought what this psalm is saying. Rich people feel safe, but they aren't. They are just as subject to the word and will of God as everyone else, and therefore it is madness to put your trust in money. Verse 15, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. That is one of the best but gods in all the Bible. Putting your trust in money is madness, the psalmist says, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol. That's the theological climax of the psalm. Martin Luther said here, this is a psalm that instructs us into faith and teaches us to trust in God against that great God of this world who is called mammon, closed quote. That's, of course, just like Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, closed quote. That's the idea. And this is the application now in verse 16. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. So don't worry so much about money. It isn't worth as much as people think. It can't do as much as people think. And therefore, wise people don't stress so much over who has it and who doesn't. This is very similar to what we read in Proverbs 23, 4-5, which says, Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle, closed quote. Don't spend your whole life chasing money. Just work hard at something good, something that serves your fellow man, something real, and something that can provide a good living for your family. If you achieve that, then you've achieved enough. And striving after any more than that is a fool's game. If the Lord gives you more than that, well, that's his business. But you shouldn't want more. You shouldn't desire more than that. And you shouldn't strive for more than that. And you shouldn't pray for more than that. What does the Lord's Prayer say? It says, give us this day our daily bread. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. He said that we should pray for our daily bread. He didn't say we should be praying for luxury cars, cottages, or diamond rings. We don't need that stuff. It won't make us happy. It won't make us healthy. And it won't help us at all on Judgment Day. So chill out. Don't worry so much about who has money in this world and who doesn't. Verse 18. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. Here the psalmist seems to be saying, that what you ought to be worried about is where you and your loved ones will spend eternity. Are you hearing that? Rich people who trust in their money and their stuff 
are like the beast that perished generation after generation, father followed by son, mother followed by daughter. They are marching into oblivion and they will perish and never see the light again. Don't let that be your eternal destiny. Be wise. Think about the future and invest in things that matter. As the old poem by C.T. Studd said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. That's it. That's it exactly. The psalmist is saying it is foolish to lift your life for things that perish. It is madness to spend all your health and strength and vitality in pursuit of things that are powerless to affect your eternal destiny or the eternal destiny of your children and grandchildren. It doesn't make any sense. People who live like that are no better, no wiser than the beasts of the field. Wisdom is knowing God. Wisdom is serving him, worshiping him, loving him, and commending him to our children and grandchildren. That's the only thing that matters. That is the only life worth living. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. This brings us to the end of a new block of content, but we've already recorded episodes on Psalms 50 to 74 back in 2018. So if you want to find those, we will be re-releasing them on the Gospel Coalition Canada website at ca.thegospelcoalition.org. Or if you are listening to these episodes long after their initial release date, and thank you for doing that. I'm glad you found them. You can find this whole series over at www.intotheword.ca. We will be looking to release some more new content from the Minor Prophets in November. And of course, if you're doing the RMM Bible Reading Plan, you can find episodes walking you through Daniel and 1 Timothy and James and Jonah as you encounter them. All of that content is available at the Into the Word website and will be released as it comes up in the plan on the Facebook page. So hopefully we'll see you there. And I hope to see you again real soon right here for another episode of Into the Word. 